So the plan tonight is just to take uh, a couple minutes. I just want to share a few things. It's kind of going to kind of be family meeting style. Thanks for being here on these evenings. Take a few minutes. I, I do want to share a couple things really just from my heart, um, and then we'll lead ourselves towards the table and just a bit of reflection and response. Um, a, g- a great guy, his name is N.T. Wright, has been a very uh, prominent scholar that has done a lot of work that has helped a lot of pastors in how they come, and a lot of Christians, in how they come to the scriptures. One of the things that uh, he's done is he actually describes the scriptures as an unfinished drama. One of the things he says is that if you look at scripture, really what it is, is it's in five different acts. Here they are. Throw them up, Kevo. Act number one, obviously, is creation, that God brings function. We see in the Hebrew creation account, God brings function and order to the chaos and disorder. And you get over and over the rhythm in Hebrew that God's creation is good and beautiful. But we also get a picture in the garden that this world is teeming with potential. That actually, one of the pictures you get, especially if you're a Hebrew reader, is you have the potential for humans, proto-human in the garden, to take the raw materials within this created world and bring function to them. That actually humans are to come alongside God in this mission, not just to save souls in the beginning, but to actually build, build societies and, and take the creation project forward. That is the story we are caught up in. This is what God calls his people to do. And obviously you know, it lasts like three, really three pages. Chapter three, we get the fall. The Satan comes in and instead of using a bazooka and bullets and holding a gun to human's head, he comes in and what does he come with? He comes with lies. He comes with deception that you can be like God if you do this. And obviously we know the story is that humans rebel and they enter into this picture and this framework where they feel like they can enter um, a world and create a world where they could be like God. And we know it unravels. The curses, all sorts of things unfold for both male and female in the garden. And one of the things we get, one of the pictures, the main pictures we get is though there's this broken humanity, God is on a mission right from the beginning, Genesis 3, 16, 15, sorry. There's this picture that the Messiah will crush the head of the adversary of the Satan. And we know that that's a future picture of Jesus Messiah that is coming to renew all things and to enter into this cosmic battle. But the way that he would win is he would actually lay down his life in self-sacrificial love. So you get chapter kind of that's act two of this story. Act three is the story of Israel. We know that God doesn't just leave it to Jesus. There's, there's something to think about. But actually in the Old Testament, even before a Messiah gets on the scene, it is actually a people, a people group, a family that God in some ways put his trust in to be the bridge builders to the world, to show them God's love to the world. Now, how does that go? Have you read the Old Testament, friends? It is like a gong show. It's a disaster at times. Sometimes it goes good, but it is, for the most part, a disaster as they miss out on this calling to be love and light to the nations around them. They cry out for a king, a human king, and everything unravels. But N.T. Wright would say that this, you, know, you move from creation to fall to the story of Israel. And then finally in Act 4, you get to Jesus, 
the Messiah who would come to crush the head of the enemy. And again, he would do it in a way that nobody in their right mind in the ancient world ever would have thought of. He laid his life down, defeated death through death, burial, and resurrection. And you're like, what's the point of this? I like drove here, it's 50 degrees out, I sweat under my arms. Somebody here biked here in like 50 degree weather. You're amazing, it's amazing. You're like, what does this have to do? Well, it has a lot to do because one of the things that Wright says is that in Act 5, and I, I think we just need to drill down on this for a couple minutes, is that in Act 5, the New Testament is kind of the first scene that we get. So you open up the scriptures, you read about Jesus, and then you open up Acts, and that's kind of like the first part of this fifth scene in the fifth act. And it also, you know, we get parts in our Bible where there's like a little bit of imagery as far as how this whole thing will shape up. But the church, the church is to participate. To improvise, actually, is what we get. We have creation in the past. We have the fall in the past. We have the story of Israel in the past. We have the gospels and the story of Jesus in the past. But in this moment, 2021, the church is to improvise, if you were, in the final act before Jesus returns. Now this, brothers and sisters, is why I give my life to the church. Uh, it's not, it has nothing to do with money or being a pastor or like because I grew up and like cut my teeth on the front pew or whatever the language is. I'm not here because, of, well, I may be here but because of some of that. But I'm here actually because of this. This is punk rock, my friends. And we have lost this. And we've lost this a little bit in COVID too. And you know this. You can feel it. I know you can. Kind of the subversive participation that we're actually living out. Think about it. All that we read. Think about how many people have Bibles in their hands around the world. It's phenomenal. And yet here we are with Bible in hand, immersing ourselves in that story, but then as well improvising and playing out the final act. How cool is, like, there's no other religion, no other worldview, nothing else says what we're, what we're caught up in in this fifth act that actually are you saying like what I do is important and matters? Absolutely. In the church, this whole shaping of how things come together, I just think it's phenomenal that we get to live out in this fifth act and we get to improvise. And I actually believe that in some ways, yes, we live by the Holy Spirit, but there is actually a lot, not in a pressuresome way, but there's actually a lot in our hands as the church in our moments, in our city, that sometimes we just say, well, God's going to do it all. I'm just not convinced on that. I'm convinced that actually we're playing in this fifth act and a lot of it has to do with our very own participation. Following me? I actually think like what the whole weekly rhythm of the church and what we do in this city is not just clock in time because we're bored or it's because what our parents told us to do, but that it's actually, it means something. Um, you know, the, the future is the future. It's going to be what it's going to be, but I want to lean in and live into that. So we become a practicing community. As you know, one of the things I think that is beautiful about the church is we are the people of the future and the present. So we get to do in our moments, uh, week in and week out in community together, we get to do right here, right now, what we will do forever. And that's not live in a disembodied world on some cloud or something, but it's actually you will do this forever. I, I was saying to somebody this week, think about the cities we live in, some of the things that agitate and drive us crazy, 
Think about the curse being lifted in a world where there is complete shalom, where we're embodied together. We can actually participate now in the, in the present, what we're going to live out in the future. So the gifts of the Spirit are so important. People's participation. And one of the things as well, and we shared a little bit about this at the end of July, is just we want to be a community that is a community of goodness. We want to be a people that think through, because we're living out this fifth act, I know we talked last time pretty raw, just about the moment the church is in, we even called some things out, I think. I get it. Like, so here I am talking excitedly about this fifth act and how we get to play and see this kind of unfold. And then you have the church in its moment filled with scandals and all sorts of crazy stuff that are going on in our moment. Podcasts did it, dedicated liter, liter, literally to the implosion of mega churches and abusive leaders and power and all sorts of things that have been misused. We want to be this community in this fifth act that is safe and good. Guy named Scott McKnight, we showed this really quickly before we talked just about our future. He talks just about this circle of tov. The word tov you get actually in the first chapter of the Hebrew scriptures. Tov simply means good. And this has been so compelling for me. He, he just highlights a number of things that churches need to embody as being a safe and a good community. And man, as I read this and uh, kind of engage this more. It's just something that is something we want to be led in and do. One, he talks about uh, a, a safe or a good church nurtures empathy. That one, and one of the things that we do is we actually resist a narcissist culture. So we enter in towards em empathetic lives with our brothers and sisters and we care and we resist a narcissist culture because te what tends to happen is pastors can be narcissists. Can I get an amen? I'm the one up here, so let's be honest. Like, there's, this, is, this is a real thing. Um, lots of people have been writing about this re uh, most recently, and I think it's actually being now in the therapeutic world just kind of funny because I watch my own tendencies, but one of the things we want to do is nurture empathy in the community. We want to nurture grace, so we want to resist a fear culture or a fear-based culture of a particular leader or somebody in power. Instead, we want to be a community that nurtures grace, that everybody's invited to the table. Three, he talks about putting people first instead of the organization first. And some of the difficulties and the implosion of a number of things over the last number of months and couple years has really been about trying to save face in the organization. And one of the things we're saying, we've always said here is people over programs, people over trying to get somewhere, put people first, absolutely. Four, he talks about telling the truth that one of the things safe and healthy communities do is we resist false narratives and spin. You, you know, there's like churches that like have PR firms that work for them. That's an issue. You with me? We want to be people that tell the truth and just live in a narrative of truth. We want to nurture justice, number five. So we want to resist loyalty culture in an abusive way, but lean into justice and people being advocated for and having a voice. Six, talks about nurturing service, so resisting a celebrity culture within a community, which, again, we, we want to resist that. And then seven, he talks about nurturing Christ-likeness, so resisting the leader culture. Jesus is the leader. Obviously, there's leaders within our own community, but one of the things that the Western world has become obsessed with is just 
power and leadership and it's bled into the church and now we're living in the wake of that. And that can go right down from uh, an abusive pastor all the way to our history with indigenous children and the residential schools. All of this is tied together. So if you hear our heart, one of the things we're doing, we just, as we look forward, is just this continual call to play, to actually participate and create a safe and beautiful culture and moment within the church and, and own it, own our past, but walk into our future um, just as a good community. That's my heart. I want to lead that. I want to be a part of something like that. And I know our leaders do as well. With all that said, um, we've had a great time. I know, listen, I know Sunday evenings have not been super ideal for everybody. One of the questions that becomes is in the post-COVID world, what is ideal? You know, what, what is, what's an ideal time for the church to get together, right? When we think about uh, the moment we're in, probably post-COVID, there's really no ideal time because it takes commitment whether you come at 5 p.m. like you have done and, and come weekly or whether that's on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whatever. The church here has been super great to us. Like, I've just never met people here so generous in giving space and time and literally letting us turn the key in this room, and I'm thankful for it. Kind of sad and disappointed that, obviously, not as many people had participated this summer as what we were hoping for, but this seems to kind of be the theme with COVID. But I'm just really thankful for the church here. Um, they really wanted us to stay and wanted us to stay, but the difficulty is with um, timing and whatnot, we just felt like um, the best thing to do right now is to get our Sunday mornings back, to, or get our gatherings back to Sunday mornings. And so Goodwill has um, offered us and in, invited us back to kind of regather now on Sunday mornings and have our gatherings. So starting September 12th, we're going to be back at Goodwill, and we're going to have our gatherings there as normal. So it'll be 18 months or whatever, 16 months uh, between March 2020 and. September of this year, but we're looking forward to getting back there. Um, we're going to offer kids ministry for babies all the way up to grade one. Um, one of the things we're going to do is because of some of the distancing and numbers, we we're going to move our adult gathering to the ballroom. The ballroom is like the bigger room and we'll set up in there and we'll, we'll have our adult gathering in there and then offer childcare for up to grade one in the classroom where we normally have our Sunday morning gatherings. Uh, in past, and give an opportunity for childcare up to grade one. Then what we're going to do is, if you have kids in grade two to grade four, um, we're going to have activity packs as uh, they enter, and we'll have stuff while they sit in with the adults, and the junior highs as well will be in with us. And each week we'll continue to try and provide an elementary video um, so that families can kind of walk through with their kids. Though they don't have care on Sunday mornings, we'll be able to walk through and watch the videos. I know some of the online stuff started really good and then it tails off, but we want to make sure it's there um, for families if they want to do that. So it's going to take some time. Obviously, um, it just takes time gathering and regathering people. Our hope is this, because of the scaled back nature of kids' ministry, we are hoping that um, to have a number of couples or people get involved with kids to the point where you'll only have to be on about once every eight weeks or so, between the first of the month being off, um, some other long weekends once in a while where we don't have gatherings, we're actually looking to get between six and seven uh, pairs together to do kids ministry 
and then join in and get junior high student leaders involved as junior leaders with that to help in the classroom with those that would come that are babies up to grade one. Everything will be social distance. Our gatherings will uh, follow all the protocols. Um, Goodwill is big on obviously the mask mandate, making sure that that's all good. We'll have somebody on site cleaning, somebody extra on site cleaning and helping and it'll be good. And, uh, but if you can help, we're, we're going to approach you probably at some point if you have children, just to join in with us to make the burden lighter, kind of spread out the, uh, the work for that and kind of care for our kids. So again, up to grade one, uh, we'll have on-site stuff, we'll have some packs for the kids, just for the, the, the next season until things kind of open up more and things get better, hopefully, and then as well having our junior highs in, but we want to make sure to have something for everybody. Um, Worship, uh, you know, we're going to have a combination of some friends that are going to come in as well as our own team. It's exciting that some of our college students will be back and uh, we're going to uh, continue to kind of cultivate that and develop that and have some of our band. Obviously, it, this summer has been very laid back, like so Hev and a few people like our kids and a couple other junior leaders have kind of helped with kids over the summer. That was totally intentional just to kind of work our way back in very slowly and um, so we're excited, you know, to have the, the kids and worship kind of develop. We'll have uh, music and whatnot. So the main areas we need help with are kids um, and then we need some help on the tech and media side. Um, just helping with like the sound and tech setup. Obviously now um, we're in a place where we're going to bring our stuff back into that room and set up. We need to ha have some folk help with running our sound and tech. And then the other major area for Sunday mornings is just hosting. And um, basically that just encompasses helping us set up and pack down, but as well greet people in the gathering and help with any other logistical components um, with that. The vision is, is between our sound and tech people, our house, and our kids team that the call time will be at 8.30. So we're not moving up any of the call times. Basically, the call time will be at 8.30 on Sunday mornings. And our gathering's starting half an hour earlier than what it was. And the gathering will probably be about 15 to 25 minutes shorter than what it normally was. So the whole experience is actually going to be shorter in general. We'll start at 8.30 with setup, and our gathering will end by 11.05, if that makes sense. Capiche, sound okay? We just need help. Um, again, we just would just love to kind of get a good rhythm going week to week and really start to care. And we'll take every uh, you know, precaution necessary. I'm really thankful for Shay and the team at Goodwill and what they've been able to do. And um, we will work with them. Um, the beautiful thing is, you know, at, at the end of 2019 into 2020, the first few months of 2020, we were experiencing some real momentum finally, <laughs> um, just with like our kids um, set up and raising money, uh, creating those kids' rooms. It was beautiful. And from you know, October uh, 2019 was one of our strongest months as a church as far as people joining in. It was, it was really beautiful. Um, obviously, there's a, like a rebuilding process. So for now, just with the numbers that Goodwill's giving, we'll just make sure that we abide by that. But we feel like we can um, uh, spread out, have social distance in that ballroom and do that. The other thing is this, just before we kind of um, take a few minutes just to worship together is uh, the first of each month, you know, back in May, when we kind of announced some of the leadership transitions and some of the things that were going on, we also kind of wanted to put uh, before people this vision of being in communities the first of the month. So 
just sensing that a lot of times churches, we talk about small groups or whatever, but we sometimes don't put it into practice as well as we could. And so one of the things that we thought is um, getting intentionally getting um, these groups uh, in homes throughout the, the first of each month throughout the year, 12 times a year we'd be in homes instead of gathering in a public space at Goodwill. And we, we plan to continue to do that. We do. We're not sure all the logistics with COVID and all that's going to happen, but we're planning for the first weekend for Sunday in October. If you, and there's already a, a group meeting and we're going to, you know, the, the goal is to really develop some groups here um, out of this. If you have any interest on Sunday, September the 15th, later in the evening, at 8.30 in the evening, if you have any interest of either hosting or leading or you already are hosting and leading a group, we're gonna kind of have a meeting together that's gonna kind of get ready for the launch of these Praxis communities and just go over best practices, what we're gonna do with kids, some of the things that we envision with that, and then from there release these groups to start meeting. It's gonna take time over the fall as people hopefully trickle back and get them involved with these groups from a month to month. And then as, as we said in May, hopefully the goal is these groups continue to meet throughout the week, but at least on the first Sunday of each month that there's an opportunity to be together and uh, gather together in homes, which is beautiful. So that's all I got for now. I'm excited, um, I'm excited about the future. Uh, I'll go a little off script here before we come to communion. I have in my notes, I'm happy, I'm happy. And there's part of me that's sad, just be honest with you. Part, like in this room, I'm sad for you a little bit. Heather and I, I had, had, if she was up here with me, would say that as well. You know, part of it is this thank you for just being faithful to something, you know, like we feel is pretty simple in the weekly gathering, week in and week out. Um, we are happy about the future, the story that's being written. We're, gosh, like we're just so in on the church. We love God's reconciling plan. We also notice that there's just a lot of folk that don't know the reconciling plan of the church. They don't fully under, you know, the five acts that I just said there, it's just religion and you know, the reality is, is when you pin the church, if you're going to try and do something that, like, tries to entertain, like, the world, you're going to fail. Like, we can't compete with golf or youth, the cult of youth sports, and I can call it the cult because I'm knees deep in the cult of youth sports or whatever it is, but we're just so thankful for you guys. I do, just join us in praying that through this season, people will return, and... You know, as we're going to pray at the end of our gathering here, we're just, again, thankful for you and for your commitment. And um, the church is nothing less than a gathering of people together. And we totally get in this moment in time and place and space, there's some worry. And then in other ways, we've just got to think through of COVID for all of us in churches all across this beautiful city, if it's just going to kind of be an excuse in the future not to participate, right? You know what I'm saying? And... Um, we're in on this thing, we love this, we love um, the culture that's been created, but with that sometimes comes sadness when people don't participate, and often we think of you all and your commitment to being here throughout these, these months, and we think of you. I just pray through all of this, don't give up, continue on, press on, and um, can't, I don't, can't look into a magic ball and tell you what the future is gonna look like, but 
um, we want to join in. And I think this invitation to come back to Goodwill is a first step for us just to get back to doing the things that we're called to do and being together as the church community. So we'll take some time in a couple minutes to pray, but honestly, from our heart, and I, if Heather's here, she's, we're just super thankful for you. We just wanted a summer where it was just baby steps, like the, even the music team, all that just going very, very slow. And now we're just looking ahead to the future and all that God has. So hopefully you can join in with us. And our hope is that the burden is light and we will watch, we've always watched really carefully about like not people not burning out. I, we hear this a lot, you know, from people and folk, not in this context as much as just in church in general. We know that there's a wave of exhaustion with COVID just in general, just the mental toll. I get it. I have four kids at home. <laughs> I love them, but I get it, right? I'm with you. But um, our hope is, is that we can just think through this as we move into our future. So... Help us get the word out. Next Sunday evening, there's no gathering. We're just going to take the long weekend just to recalibrate. Over the next two weeks, we will kind of duck into Goodwill, the hope is, and get stuff kind of sorted and ready to go. And we will launch on September the 12th and uh, move forward. Sound good? Sound good? Um, we wanted tonight to be simple as this kind of unfolded and we were made aware of we could take kind of, kind of some of our next steps. Just wanted to be a time. We're going to take, a, again, a couple minutes to pray. But um, I, I don't know if you can stand with me. We're going to take a, a few minutes as well just to come to the table and respond. And we didn't put, there's nobody doing music, but we're going to just have um, an opportunity here just to worship and reflect and respond some music is going to come up on the screen, and we're going to come to the tables and take a, take a moment just to take the bread and cup. This, uh, for me, is the most meaningful moments of our gatherings. Um, a guy can talk or a gal can talk into a mic, and Laura did great the last few weeks, all night long, and that's beautiful. There needs to, I think, in our moment where we're so post-Christian, there needs to be a drawing back with, I think, good contextual teaching, certainly. But I hope this moment in time and place is a moment where we can just respond and worship. And we're going to just open it up. One of the hopes for our gatherings as we gather back together at Goodwill is there'll probably be a little less music at the top. And the dream is, is to end our gatherings with music, opportunity for prayer and um, ministry time, but as well coming to the table. I know it's like sanitary now and stuff. I wonder what our Anglican friends are going to do. No more sipping out of the same cup for a while, I'm sure. But um, Kev's just going to throw up some music, and I just want to take time um, to let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And I think it can happen in this moment. And then as we come to the table, why don't you take the bread and cup together, or take it on your own, and we'll take it collectively on our own and take some time to worship together. And then the thought is, is we'll just take some time to pray at the end. Sound good? Let me pray for us, and we'll, uh, the table is there. King Jesus, you're good. You reign. You rule. And thank you for my brothers and sisters. God, we just want to be moved by your spirit. We want a move of you in this city. We want revival. We want every heart to turn to you. And Jesus, as we look at this, how this is unfolding, um, how this is going, God, we know you've called us to great things. 
I pray that we would be able to live this out. And Jesus, as you said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so Jesus, I pray that we would be a city on a hill, shining bright, being light to this city, and we, God, ask that you would draw people to this community to experience your love and your grace. Make us a good community, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.